welcome to the 18th episode of the Building Spiritual Capacity Podcast, where we are building immovable disciples through prayer, study, and action. In our last episode, we looked at the Special Operations Forces truth, which is that elite spiritual performers cannot be mass-produced. We looked at Joseph, who was sold into Egypt, and how God individually developed him and prepared him to be where God needed him to be in order to save his family, the children of Israel, from starvation and famine. In this episode, we're going to continue with the Special Operations Forces truths and look at how competent Special Operations Forces cannot be created after emergencies occur. For this truth, we're specifically going to look at the Lord's development of Moses prior to the Exodus. The Exodus being perhaps an emergency that occurred in the the life of the children of Israel. And it is really the first of these emergencies that God prepared Moses to handle. We're going to look specifically at the interaction between God and Moses and how God prepared Moses to be to be the person that was ready to act when emergency arose. As always, we'll start off with some context. Moses was born to a Levite father and mother, so they were of the tribe of Levi, one of one of the sons of of Israel. Moses was born at a time where Pharaoh was concerned about how numerous the children of Israel were becoming. Uh, After it seems that the Pharaoh at the time of Moses had forgotten what Joseph had done for uh, for the kingdom of Egypt, uh, the empire of of the Egyptians, Joseph being an Israelite and having saved the entire nation through his interpretation of the dream and then his managing of the uh, of the storing of food in order to save everybody from the famine so over time the israelites became servants of uh, of the egyptians but they became so numerous that pharaoh was concerned about this and he ordered that all male children would be would be killed. All uh, male Israelite uh, boys and sons would be killed. He ordered the midwives, those who were helping uh, helping the delivery of the babies, to to kill the sons, the the males. Somehow, uh, Moses' mother was able to uh, um, prevent her her young son from being killed when she gave birth to Moses. And she nursed him for about three months. But at that time, the pressure was getting too much. She couldn't hide him anymore. So she decides to put him in a, in a basket, as we recall, um, a basket of reeds and, and um, other materials, and sent him down the river. His sister Miriam kind of follows this little raft uh, with this baby in it down the river. And ultimately, this small raft with the baby Moses in it ends up near the Pharaoh's court or at least where the Pharaoh's daughter uh, would go to the river 
the Pharaoh's daughter acquires the, the baby. Uh, and Miriam, Moses' older sister, sees this. She offers to the Pharaoh's daughter that if, if she needed, she could find an Israelite. She happened to know, coincidentally, happened to know an Israelitish woman who could nurse Moses. So the Pharaoh's daughter agrees, and Moses' mother is able to continue to raise and, and to nurse Moses, at least for uh, a time. Moses grows up in the court of Pharaoh, uh, and we don't, the record doesn't necessarily tell us or you know, what his interactions were necessarily, but he was in and around the community. He saw, uh, at one point, ran into a situation where an is- Israelite slave was being abused, physically abused, by uh, one of the Egyptian slave masters. Uh, and Moses is defending this Israelite, and in the process, he kills the Egyptian. Uh, because of that, he, although, you know, in today's day and age, we talk about self-defense, and he's protecting somebody, but clearly, uh, Moses is concerned that he'll get uh, he'll get caught, uh, and, and he becomes a fugitive. He ends up fleeing to the uh, portion of the land referred to as Midian. In Midian, he meets uh, Jethro, his father-in-law, and he speaks to, uh, uh, and, and he meets Zipporah, who he eventually marries. Moses becomes a shepherd and is, uh, is working for Jethro to, to herd the flocks that Jethro and his family have. And that's where we kind of start to pick up Moses and God's interactions in preparation for Moses to lead the children of Israel uh, across the Red Sea on dry ground. So now we find Moses in his new life with his new job as a shepherd. He's out tending the sheep. Uh, He's up on Mount Horeb, which we later come to to here is is renamed Mount Sinai, and here Moses has his first interaction with God, according to the Old Testament record. He's out there feeding the sheep, uh, making sure they're getting taken care of, and uh, all of a sudden he hears a voice, looking around to see where the voice comes, and the best he can tell is that the voice is coming from a bush that appears to be on fire. As any of us would, thinking Moses was startled and maybe afraid. This is an extraordinary experience. Some of us might uh, wonder whether he was dehydrated or uh, um, just he'd been alone too long or whatever it is. But clearly Moses is startled because God, through the the bush and, and in this experience, the voice of God tells Moses to not be afraid. He tells him that... Uh, to take his shoes off because with the place where he stands at this moment is holy and sacred ground. Now, keep in mind, as we are looking through this story, we're seeing how does God interact with us. As we, in, in general, as we build our spiritual capacity, we see how God interacts with his children. That gives us the confidence that when we are being communicated to by God through his Holy Spirit, uh, we can see, well, this is how God interacted with Moses, and this is how he did this with this, and, and this person, and this is how this happened, and this gives us the confidence to say, this is how God behaves. Uh, this is how he develops us. This is how he helps us and prepares us to do the things that he needs us to do. So 
in this case, Moses, um, for us, we would say that any time we are interacting with God, it is, it is on, in a sacred place. Moses is not in a church. He's not in his home. He's out in the wilderness with a bunch of sheep, tending the flocks. He's dirty. He's sweaty. He's probably been out for a while. Uh, maybe not in the, the, the nice, clean appearance uh, he's in, in the mountains, in the wilderness, and this is where God interacts with him. Uh, this is a reminder to us that any, any, we can be anywhere in God, and we can have an ex- sacred experience with God when he's ready to communicate to us. And, and in those little moments, you could be surrounded by piles of laundry in, in your room as you're praying individually, asking God to help you with a, something that's going on in your life, and God will communicate with you. You could be in the middle of rush hour traffic, when you hear a, a, you hear a song that seems to, to answer a prayer, uh, sacred, sacred places, sacred ground is, in my mind, anywhere God can interact with you. Now, there are certain places, at least from my feeling, that, that we can, in certain situations, when we're trying to be alone and we're trying to study, we're trying to intensely pray, I believe these moments... And, and some of these places, sometimes at, at church or other, other sacred um, locations, uh, maybe you, you enjoy being in the mountains and that's a sacred location for you. There can be, you can set yourself up success, for success to communicate with God and, and to hear his answers. But uh, by being in the right position at the right time, trying to avoid distractions and really be able to focus. But I also believe that any time we are interacting with God. It is a sacred place and a holy place. As the conversation continues, God explains to Moses that he has heard the cries of the children of Israel. The children of Israel are in bondage. They've been in bondage for some time now. And God has heard their cries, and He and he's promising to Moses that he will... Make Moses the leader, the instrument in God's hands to deliver the children of Israel out of the the clutches, out of the bondage of the Egyptians. And that he would lead them to a land that was flowing with milk and honey, a land that is currently occupied by other people, but that God would lead the children of Israel there and that they would prosper there in those lands. And specifically that Moses is the guy that's going to go tell Pharaoh, to let the children of Israel go, or ask him to let the children of Israel go. Moses is shocked by this request, and he responds with, who am I to do this? Remember, Moses is a shepherd, uh, nothing nothing but a shepherd. Um, He is a relatively newlywed, I suppose. He uh, is a family member. He was an exile from Egypt, so God wants him to go back to Egypt, to back to the, the house that perhaps he, he was raised in by Pharaoh's daughter, and he's going to go back there. And uh, as a fugitive, um, to, um, to ask Pharaoh to let his people go, to let his people... Keep in mind, God recommends to Moses that, that what they're going to say is, hey, 
Will you let us go three days' journey into the wilderness so that we can uh, worship our God in a sacred place and a sacred opportunity? We're going to go out there and we're going to worship. Moses in the scriptures doesn't really say, but it seems to be implied that we'll go out three days, we'll go worship, and then we'll come back. So even uh, as you're reading the story, it's not like, hey, we're going to go and we're just going to leave. And you're going to be without slaves, without free work, uh, a free workforce for the rest of your, you know, of all time. You have to find some other slaves, uh, some other workers. It's just a temporary, at least initially, it's just a temporary um, request that Moses presents eventually that he presents to Pharaoh. So keep that in mind. This is what God's asking Moses to do with the understanding that God's going to lead them away ultimately, but that to Pharaoh, it's just going to be a temporary thing. So Moses says, who am I? Who, who am I to do this? I'm an exile. I'm a shepherd. I, I am nothing. And you're asking me to go do this, this great thing. But God says to Moses, I will certainly be with you. I will be there to support you. I will be there to help you. I will certainly be with you. Again, this is a lesson for us. God will have missions for us to accomplish. Sometimes they may seem uh, challenging, daunting, uh, may create some level of fear in us. We may be thinking to ourselves, why would God ask me to do this? Why would he want me to do this? But if this is truly, if these missions are coming from God, God will certainly be with us and help us to accomplish these goals. Uh, again, it's important for us to keep this in mind as, we, as we're building our spiritual capacity. And the great thing is, is, is we're going to see that God is with us, and he's helping us and he's supporting us. He may not do everything for us, but he's there to support us and strengthen us as we're doing the things, the challenging things that he's asking us to do. And as we do those things, he will, uh, it'll, it'll increase our confidence. And so then, then the next time God asks us to do something, we can say, oh, okay, God was with me then. He'll be with me now when I have to do this even harder thing. Keep that in mind specifically with this particular story as well in the Bible, but also in our own lives. It's an important principle. So Moses has been given the first part of his mission or the ultimate part of his mission, but there's a phase There's a phase before he goes to see Pharaoh. God wants him to go to the elders of the children of Israel, the leaders of the children of Israel, and explain to them that this is God. God has, has called Moses to lead them out of, uh, out of captivity from the Egyptians and to lead, to the, lead them to this beautiful and wonderful land where they can... They can survive and, and thrive, and this is their promised and chosen land. Moses uh, is, is obviously, again, concerned. He's saying, they're not going to believe me. And can you imagine, let's put it into our context. Let's say that one of your, your siblings, one of your cousins, one of your uh, family members, a distant family member who is a, is a, a fugitive from the law, and hasn't been around in quite some time, comes back and says, hey, listen, I was out in the mountains, and a bush started burning and then talking to me, and I was told that I should lead you all out of Israel. 
So good news. I think probably in today's day and age, we probably wouldn't receive that so well. So uh, we can't really criticize the children of Israel. This is kind of a far-fetched, far-fetched story that Moses is telling. Uh, God appeared to him, spoke to him, and told him, uh, told him to go uh, deliver them from one of the greatest empires, that they're just going to be able to go and, and be delivered from this great army and empire, uh, one of the greatest in the world at, at the time. So Moses expresses this concern and says, well, they're not going to believe me. And we see that in Exodus chapter 4, God then says, well, let me show you. First of all, you're going to go tell them that I am that I am. I am the God of Israel. I'm the God of Abraham. I'm the God of Jacob. I'm the God of Isaac. I'm the God that has led you to, to be in this position to, and, and saved you and your, and your family members. So first remind them by what authority you're coming but even if they don't believe that, then here's the signs. Here's some signals and some signs that uh, they'll know. So he, said, he tells Moses, okay, take your rod, drop it on the ground. The staff that's in your hand, drop it on the ground. It turns into a serpent. Obviously pretty startling and pretty miraculous. Then God tells Moses, pick it up by the tail. He picks up the serpent by the tail uh, and and it becomes a staff again. Then he tells Moses, all right, the next thing you're going to do, you're going to take your hand, and you're going to put it into your, into your coat, uh, kind of hide it from your view, and then pull it out. When he pulls out his hands, his hand, uh, his hand is leprous. He has leprosy on his hand. God tells him, okay, put it back in, pull it back out. Oh, there you go, and it's all healed. Another miracle. Then Moses says, okay, or excuse me, God tells Moses to go uh, put, uh, go over here to the river of water, put your staff in the water, and uh, take, take the, he says, take the water, uh, this is verse, uh, this is verse 9 of Exodus chapter 4, he says, uh, thou shalt take of the water of the river and pour it upon the dry land. And the water which thou takest out of the river shall become blood upon the dry land. So that's the other miracle. So, so God is showing Moses, look, I am going to be with you. I'm going to, I'm going to be here to show not only you, but to show other people that you are a messenger. There are ways that God, and they may not be this miraculous, but as you're on his errand and you're fulfilling the missions that he's asked you to accomplish, God will find ways to show people that you are sent uh, and, and, and to show you, to give you the, continue to give you the confidence as, as you move along in the path. Uh, doors, doors will open that seem shut. Things that you weren't sure were going to happen will happen. And people will see, oh, this person, this person uh, is, you can tell, you can tell. And you've met these people, right? You've met people that in your life, uh, I, I can think of numerous in mine where you have this interaction with them and because they were attuned to the Spirit of the Lord and they said or they did something that just happened to be a miracle for you. Uh, these, things will, these things will happen and, and people will see you uh, 
they'll see you behaving in the way God wants you to behave, and there will be results. They'll, they'll recognize those results. So, again, it may not be as miraculous as what we're seeing in the Old Testament, but uh, in terms of these phys- physical manifestations, but uh, certainly people will recognize when you're on God's mission. Then God uh, continues to talk to Moses. Moses uh, says, well, listen, God, I'm not eloquent of speech. I have a slow tongue. How am I going to go and, and convince these people, go and convince the children of Israel, and then convince the Pharaoh to let us all go? I'm not well educated. I don't speak well. I, I can't do this. God uh, says, well, I, I've made everybody. I, I've, I've created everyone. I've made everyone's mouth, and I can, and I will make you eloquent. I'll be, I will help you to persuade the people that need to be persuaded. Uh, so keep that, keep that in mind. I'm, I'm here with you. Moses is still not convinced. He actually asks in verse 13 of Exodus chapter 4, please, can someone else please go? Can you please send somebody else? At this point, God gets angry with Moses and says, uh, you know, and, and we see this in verse 14, that God actually gets angry with him. And so then God concedes in, in, in verses 14 through 16. God explains, okay, well, isn't your brother Aaron uh, over there? He's one of the children of Israel. He's there in Egypt, and he is a good speaker. So what I'll do is I will make him your spokesperson. God is removing all the excuses from Moses. Um, Moses, uh, and and again, I think sometimes when we receive these missions from God, we receive uh, these errands. Sometimes we're not sure we can do it. We're not sure we're the right ones. We get afraid. But God continually tells us to not be afraid. If you're on his mission, if you're on his errand, he will magnify you. He will strengthen you. uh, And he will ensure that it is successful but we have to put our trust and faith in him Um, he will give it give us those evidences along the way Uh, but he he uh, but a a lot of times we can be like like Moses is I believe we can be fearful that what God's asked us to do we're, we're just not capable of doing it or it won't be successful and this is where Moses is so uh, so God has given him all these assurances, so keep that in mind. As God is working with you, he's going to give you your assurances. He's going to give you your strength. He's going to, um, he's going to continue to lead you, and, and he's going to prepare ways for you to accomplish the mission. So Moses just was super, so, uh, so nervous about it and, and so hesitant that God said, okay, well, I'm going to give you Aaron, and he's going to help you. So another uh, example of how God will, so God will put people in our lives to help us to accomplish the things that he needs us to do. So we see God developing Moses through this conversation, through these these initial interactions, giving Moses enough confidence to to go tell his father-in-law and to go tell his wife that we're going to go back to Egypt because God has this mission for me. His wife agrees and they and follows Moses they go back to Egypt he he links in with Aaron his brother he explains everything to Aaron uh, he's persuasive enough eloquent enough in speech to convince Aaron to help him uh, God directs Aaron as well and tells him to go see Moses so that so there's all this interaction going on 
they link in together. They go talk to the, the elders of Israel. He sh God already told Moses, hey, show them these miracles that I have done for you, the, the hand with the leprosy, the staff. Show them these things. They'll believe you. They believe him enough to agree to send him and, and allow him to go to Pharaoh, to petition Pharaoh to let them go. God tells Moses specifically, this is going to be hard. Depending on how which version you're reading, the King James seems to, to suggest that God says that I'm going to make Pharaoh's heart hardened. Um, so that it seems as if God is intentionally making this hard for Moses. I'm not sure that that's how I interpret the story. Uh, but either way, God is at least telling Moses that this is not going to work initially. You're going to go. Uh, you're going to talk to Pharaoh. He's not going to believe you. And then I am going to show through my power, I'm going to show Pharaoh that the God of Israel is the God. So part of, part of these things that we deal with when, when we're interacting with God is, and again, I've, I've fallen into the, the trap of thinking that everything will be easy. Once God tells you that he's going to do something, that, you know, I kind of fall into the trap of thinking that it's going to be easy since God is telling me, just like with Joseph, who was sold to Egypt, which we talked about last week. But we see that as things are a challenge, actually, that draws us closer to God because we're, you know, they, they don't work exactly like we thought we were, they were going to. And so we were wondering maybe what's going on. I thought this was my mission. This is, so in this case, Moses uh, is informed by God that this is going to be hard. Uh, but there's a reason for the way I'm doing things the way that I'm doing them. Uh, so I'm, so be patient, keep working, keep, uh, keep following what I'm asking you to do. And then we see God continuing to prepare. Now, if we're looking in this particular situation, if we're looking at it as the emergency it, or the crisis is the children of Israel standing at the waters of the Red Sea as the armies of the Egypt are coming to, to destroy them or to capture them and bring them back to Egypt, then we see all of these little things that Moses is doing, building his confidence to get to that moment. So when the emergency occurs, he'll be prepared. Just like when you're training elite soldiers, you put them in scenarios, little scenarios before they're actually into the combat, into those situations, so that they can kind of think through and gain confidence that their bodies and their minds and their emotions are capable of dealing with stress when they're faced with combat, when they're faced with an emergency, they'll be able to react in the right way. That's what all military training is, is all about. Uh, my experiences uh, of training as an enlisted soldier all the way up until now, uh, that's exactly what we're trying to do. Create the stress in a somewhat less emergency situation, a less critical situation, so that we're, we'll know how our bodies and minds and, and uh, will react during stressful times. And then when we're in those situations, we'll be prepared to act. This is what God is doing to, to Moses, in my opinion. He, he's facing stressful situations. He's going in front of the king of the Egyptians and saying, let my people go. Pharaoh is saying, no, I'm not going to do it. And then Moses says, well, if you're not going to do it, then I'm going to do, then, then God is going to put this plague on you. Locusts or uh, the river turns into blood or, uh, you know, lice. All of the different plagues that, that come up here, we're not going to go into them in detail, but 
see that God is preparing Moses for this. It's almost like uh, the training. So God tells Moses, go to Pharaoh. Pharaoh is going to tell you no, and then I'm going to work a miracle through you. I'm going to work these plagues through you. And so then Moses is seeing, okay, well, God said he's going to do this. And then God does it. So now Moses is like, all right, gaining the confidence that he needs in preparation for this big emergency that God knows is going to occur, but Moses is, is still unaware of how all of this is going to work out. This is how God works with us, in my opinion. He works with us in the same way. He knows what's going to happen in our lives, and, and he's preparing us little by little, not only in this life, or in this life for the things that we're doing. He's, he's preparing us for the things that he needs us to do. Uh, and he does it little by little if we're seeking those interactions with him and, and we're seeking those opportunities. Now the crisis arises. The Pharaoh al- allows the children and agrees eventually to allow the, the children of Israel to go. Uh, following the night where all of the, uh, the all of the firstborn of the Egyptians is killed in one night, Pharaoh recognizes uh, recognizes that God, uh, or he, he he's just kind of tired of all these things happening, and he sees that it's connected with the children of Israel. And whether he recognizes that the God of Israel is is the God of Israel, really, even if he says that he he recognizes it, either way, he finally consents. He's tired of all this, these things happening. He finally consents for the Israelites to go. Uh, to go, And in his mind, again, what, what Moses is telling him is that they're going to go do some worshiping. Uh, three days journey, they'll do their worshiping. Uh, so Pharaoh agrees and lets them go. Now God warns Moses and tells him that Pharaoh will chase after you. They are going to chase after you. Uh, and sure enough, we read from um, Exodus chapter 14, verses 5 through 9, Pharaoh and his people uh, are angry, and they're realizing and recognizing they've let all their slaves go, and they're probably not coming back. So uh, Pharaoh is angry at the flight of Israel. Uh, he begins to pursue them. He takes uh, 600 chariots, all of his horses, his entire army, ready to go chase these slaves down so that they can, uh, they can be captured, uh, killed uh, if there's a fight, and then captured and then brought back. Now, uh, the people wish they had not left. They're, they're, they're in the, the wilderness. They see the, the Egyptian army coming after them, and they start complaining. that uh, and, and they're being critical of Moses for leading them away. Of course, this happens all the time. I, I've always said that this is like the oldest case of, you know, the children of Israel of, of, of taking a family trip together in the car. Uh, kids complaining about, you know, when are we going to get there? I'm hungry. I need to go to the bathroom. I mean, Moses had to deal with this with thousands of people for 40 years, ultimately. And this is kind of the first cases here in this in this scenario where they're complaining. Well, our life is even harder because of what of what you've done. Uh, and so uh, when we're on God's mission, we may also experience this type of thing. When we're on his errand, we may s- hear some criticism from uh, people that we're close to, people that love us even. If we're really trying to do uh, what God wants us to do, sometimes it's going to be, it's going to be hard, it's going to be difficult. And when it is, then we see people complaining. So, so keep that in mind. Uh, but again, God continues to be with Moses. He's still following what, what God wants him to do. And God is still 
sustaining him. He's still talking to him. He's still instructing him. He's still with him, just as he promised he would be. Certainly, I will be with you. Uh, they get to a point where, to, you know, it's a, it's a choke point. They get to the, the, the shores of the Red Sea, and they see the, the army of, it, of the Egyptians coming up behind them, and they realize that they're, that they're going to they're gonna die. They're going to be killed, or they're going to be captured, and, and, and some people are actually looking forward to it. They're like, okay, well, they'll come get us, and we'll be back there. We'll be slaves. Yeah, it'll be hard, but at least we'll be getting fed, and, and, and we won't have to have these fears, or uh, we won't be killed. Moses uh, uh, tells the people in verses 13 through 14 of Exodus chapter 4, he says, Fear not and be still, and then you'll see the salvation of the Lord. Moses at this point, this is not a question for Moses. Keep in mind, he starts with the burning bush. He sees these little miracles. uh, He sees how God has orchestrated these plagues, and God promised them that they would be delivered and that he would deliver them. Moses now has the confidence as an elite spiritual performer. He has the, the confidence now to tell the people, you, he doesn't say, well, hopefully God will help us out of this one. You know? And, and he, he doesn't know exactly what's going to happen, per se, how it's going to work out, but he knows, he's confident now that God will deliver him. Again, as we develop into elite spiritual performers, and we've increased our spiritual capacity, we can also now have that confidence that God will deliver us. God will deliver us according to his word, according to the missions that he's given us, according to his promises. And then we see through the rest of the chapter, verses 16 through 30, we see Moses follows God's instructions, uh, places a staff in the water, the water's part, uh, there's a wall of water on either side of, of the Israelites as they walk through the sea on dry ground. Uh, fortunately, before the I- Egyptians attacked the Israelites, they stopped and they slept for the night. And then, and then during the course of this night, this miracle occurs and they walk through, they walk through a sea on dry ground. They get to the other side. The Egyptians recognize that the Israelites are walking through this, uh, the sea, the Red Sea. They uh, start to pursue them after, after the uh, children of Israel. Moses uh, is instructed by God now to, uh, to perform the other part of the miracle. Uh, and then the water basically crashes down on the Egyptian armies and the Israelites are saved. And at that moment, the scripture tells us that the people feared the Lord, they believed the Lord and his servant Moses. As we continue to pursue, as we um, prepare ourselves for the crisis in the the spiritual and emotional and just life crises that will occur, if we're in tune and working on our spiritual performance, we'll be prepared and we'll have the confidence to do what God needs us to do just like Moses did. And we see how God developed Moses into be, to be the person that, that he needed him to be at that moment of crisis. Our action for this week was to write down how God has prepared you to face the challenging times in your life uh, and then also share those experiences with 
a loved one. Certainly we've all had, we've seen God's impact in our lives. Uh, if we haven't, we will as we continue along this path. But to find a, think about those times, um, ponder about those, and then to write it down and share that with somebody that you love. And of course, as always, uh, identify an accountability partner, let them know what your goal was and how you accomplished that goal this week. In our next episode, we'll continue with the Special Operations Forces Truths. Uh, in this particular case, it's the most operations require non-SOF or non-Special Operations Forces assistance. So you need a guy like uh, me, if you will, uh, who has not been specially recruited or assessed or selected to do some sort of role in, in a mission, whether that's a cook or a, a, a communications expert or whatever it is. You need some, some sort of help. And in this case, we're going to continue to look in with Moses, and we're going to go back to Aaron. <clears throat> we'll look at Aaron. We'll look at uh, another man named Hur. We'll also look at Jethro, maybe even Miriam, um, his Moses' sisters. And we'll, we'll see how all of these people helped Moses. If we're looking at Moses as the elite spiritual performer, we need other people to help us that are not necessarily the main effort, the main focus. And so we're going to look at, at some of these other characters, and we're going to specifically look in uh, Exodus chapter 17 and 18, see how some of these other people helped Moses accomplish the things that God needed him to do. And, and those will be our points to ponder. How did, how did, Mo, how did Aaron, her, uh, Moses help, or excuse me, um, Jethro and others help Moses? Our action would then would be to send a message of thanks to your loved ones, to your mentors, or to your friends who contributed to, you, to the success in your life. Uh, we all have those wonderful people who have helped us in the past and got helping us to become the people that we are. And so to offer them uh, you know, a text message or uh, something on Facebook or um, uh, some social media uh, platform, and make sure that they know that, that we appreciate what they've done for us in our lives. And as always, until next time, remember to trust God and do His will.